Welcome to the Odds Breakers, your number one place for shared, sharp betting information. Hell no, till the no, no, no. Hell till the no, hell till the no, till the no, 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 no. Hell no, no, till the no, no. Hell till the no, no, till the no, no, no. Do you think that numbers don't matter? Hell to the no. Welcome back to Podcast 63 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow the Ozbreakers. Follow the social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our cost, sponsor the website and the podcast. We'd love to help you out. Please visit theoddsbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also check us out on patron.com. And if nothing else, please visit theoddsbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, lots of hell to the no going on this weekend. Went eight for 11 in college football including the money line we are 8 for 13 because of two teams that absolutely burned me. But there's a little bit of hell to the yes as well because I went 10 and 5 in the NFL, 35 for 25 so far this season. Some reason my NFL has been fire and my college football has been suffering. <laughs> Usually, well, at least up until two years ago, I was a much better college football handicapper, but these days, the last two years, I've been better at the NFL, and maybe it's because I'm more focused on contests and things like that. I have no idea, but I feel like I'm not getting the coin flips in college football, making some bad bets. Yeah, I've got some bad bets. I also have lost on some great line value. Even more so, I've lost on great line value, but in the NFL, I feel like I'm dialed in. It's just kind of the, the way it is. It's uh, Sometimes you're in on a sport and sometimes you're not. Well, I'm happy that uh, one sport's definitely making up for the other because it was another profitable weekend for myself here at theozbreakers.com. Going to do a recap here of the action over the weekend. And, you know, I find myself and some other betters that are pretty sharp Sometimes just being overly contrarian. I'll give you an example. When Michigan State got up to three points, I made a play on them. Why did I do that? I don't know. (laughs) I had the spread at three, and I felt like I was low on the Gophers. I thought this was a big get-up spot for Michigan State. I thought the Gophers lost Ottman Bell, their best player on offense. The Gophers haven't played anybody, even though they blew out the teams they did. And I thought to myself, Michigan State can't be this bad. They're going to cover this three points. And not only did they not cover, they got absolutely freaking destroyed. I mean, so bad that they couldn't even get the over. Minnesota did their part by a lot to go over 51 freaking points. And Michigan State couldn't even put up a point. They got just absolutely demolished by the Gophers. 
I mean, as a Badger fan, it sucks to see the rise of the Gophers and the fall of the Wisconsin Badgers in the Big Ten West. You know, even Nebraska's laying out a red carpet for another team in the West. But props to Minnesota. Props to row the boat. You know, P.J. Fleck has proven to be at, at least well above average football coach here. You know, but my overly contrarian side lost. I also felt I was a little bit overly contrarian on the Washington football team. Perfect spot for them, right? Perfect spot. Carson Wentz revenge. Eagles coming off the Monday night football game after a blowout. Short week. What happens? Carson Wentz couldn't even barely complete a freaking pass. You know, I sent out a tweet that I think that Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan might be the most overrated quarterbacks over the past eight years. Wentz more than Ryan, but that game where the Colts won, and we are on the Colts, by the way, was way more about Kansas City missing a bunch of field goals and much less about Matt Ryan's play. (laughs) You know, I mean, that was a very important game for the Colts to finally get their balance going. And just a choke job on the Kansas City Chiefs. Very upset that I didn't use that game more. Contests and stuff like that. I got scared because Leonard was still out. Their best defensive player. But anyway, being overly contrarian really came back to bite me. Had great line value as well. So that was tough. And it's sad to say that there's going to be a point where we're going to have to be on the Redskins again. Well, Redskins. On the Commanders. Because as much as we hate to say, I'm going to bet on another team, or we like to say, I'm never betting on this team the whole rest of the season, there's always a buy point on every single situation, right? Every single situation. That's the tough part about it, and that's what makes betting so creative. You know, There's going to be a part where Carson Wentz is a nasty dog, and he's just going to win the game. So that's why we're here. That's why we're going to try to sniff that out throughout the regular season, not only on that team, but teams like the Steelers, teams like the Seahawks, the Falcons, you know, the Bears, some of the worst teams in football. There will be spots that there's going to be value on. Come on, don't bullshit me. You know, the college football, there wasn't a ton of... I guess upsets. Maryland played really well against Michigan. One of our losses, I thought we had a shot when Michigan started scoring in the fourth quarter to to cover the 16 and a half. Had some line value on that one, but Maryland just kind of proved that they somewhat belong here. And I'm very intrigued to see where their lines go throughout the rest of the season because unfortunately, not a ton of value is going to happen when everybody jumps on that side. That's not what we're here for. But you know, Ohio State took care of business against the Badgers, and I'm glad I was coaching my son's baseball double A league that we won. It was actually a night game during the Badger Ohio State game. I DVR'd the game and then realized when I looked at the score about halftime that there was absolutely no freaking reason for me to go back and watch it. <laughs> it was kind of what we predicted. Ohio State 
dominates both sides of the trenches. Graham Mertz gives a big lead away. Then Ohio State kind of softens up at the end and allows some Wisconsin to uh, score in the back door. If you remember, I said I would bet Ohio State in the second half only if Wisconsin can muddy up and make it close. Well, they didn't do that. And Wisconsin probably covered the second half. I had a strong lean to Ohio State in this game. I couldn't quite get there because of their performance against Notre Dame. Maybe my fandom is a Badger fan. But uh, I certainly lean that way. And Bedfred put out a a bet for the odds breakers, a no-juice bet. Bedfred is now one of our sponsors that you could bet Ohio State at plus 100 at the current number. I think it was like minus 19 and a half. So I leaned Ohio State. It was hard to say against my Badgers just because I know that Paul Christ still isn't living in the 2010s when it comes to college football. I mean, if you remember, when Alabama used to win it, when LSU used to win it, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, whatever, it was always a defensive game. That has changed. Wisconsin has it. Bama covered against Vandy. (laughs) Vandy got three points that game. Um, That was one of those games I wasn't sure if Bama cared about covering, but apparently their second string covered at the end. Uh, Georgia only beats Kent State by 17 points. I think that was just a complete flat spot for Georgia, probably a get healthy game. But it was hard to predict. You know, you didn't know if uh, Georgia's second string was going to do what Bama did to Vanderbilt. Sometimes these situations stick out a little bit. And Georgia now was the one that didn't cover against the group of five teams similar to what Alabama used to do. They used to let up against these weaker teams. The Clemson-Wake Forest games was amazing. I had uh, Wake Forest plus seven and a half for a decent size three-star bet. And then I chickened out because of Wake Forest run defense and bought back at minus seven for half. So I won money on the game but just couldn't quite get there. This thing went to overtime, and too bad Clemson didn't score first because they would have kicked the extra point, and we would have at least pushed on one of those sides. So interesting game. I was pretty impressed with Wake Forest being able to score against Clemson's D. We knew that wasn't a problem, but I was also surprised that they got a few stops against Clemson. Not a lot, but they got enough to you know keep it close. And they probably should have won this game had Clemson not make such a big comeback at the end. Some big drama in the Big 12. Kansas State beats Oklahoma in Oklahoma outright 41 to 34 and Texas loses at Texas Tech 23 to 21. Unreal. That game really helped my Oklahoma under because we have under nine and a half, as you know. And that after they whipped Nebraska, I was getting a little bit worried about that. But the good news is that this Big 12 is tough. I mean, teams like West Virginia beating up Virginia Tech like they did. They're getting better. Texas, they're not going anywhere when Quinn Ewers comes back. And by the way, why was he dressed if he wasn't playing that game? Why, why was he not starting that game? Why are you even dressed the kid? Michael Fordham actually pointed that out, and I completely agree with him. What, what is he doing there standing there with pads on? 
if you need him for an emergency, then he's healthy enough to freaking play. So that was a little bit of a head scratcher. Remember when I said when numbers matter? Texas A&M against Arkansas, the numbers really mattered. Arkansas was a best bet at plus two and a half. And that number ended up going down to plus one and a half. Arkansas lost by two. And the reason they lost by two was because of a 14-point swing that completely suffocated them for the next couple drives. And Texas A&M was able to hold them off in the fourth to win this game. I was really happy to hit the under in this game, under 49. And I was also happy to get the two and a half with Arkansas. You know, a lot of people say it's three or I take the money line. I am not like that. I take the points because if it's a two or a one, I honestly believe that the game's going to be that close anyway. And this day and age in the NFL, you have, or sorry, in the college football and the NFL, really, you have a lot of kids missing extra points. You have a lot of coaches looking more at metrics and going for two in different situations. So I kind of think that if there's a two and a half, I'm going to take it quicker than I take the money line. In the long run, you can say it washes out more for the money line based upon old numbers, but I'm not so sure how the league is this year. So I won a couple plays this year based upon taking the two and a half rather than taking the money line. So that's just my two cents on that. Another game that we were on was Florida-Tennessee. It was an amazing game. I was shocked that this thing was plus 11. But unfortunately, Florida made that really difficult <laughs> towards the second half here. I bought back on Tennessee because Florida's defense just looked that bad. And I took Tennessee <clears throat> minus seven, I believe. Six and a half or seven in this towards the second when Tennessee was up by about I think they're up by about four points, but I couldn't middle it. The larger side on Florida, thank goodness, won for us only because they came back at the end to score that garbage touchdown. But what the hell was Billy Napier doing in this game? When I get to the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have a little segment on a massive coaching blunder by Billy Napier that almost cost us the cover at plus 11. And this was also a question from one of our listeners, Alan Stoey. One of our nasty money line beats, I gave out one star on the money line for Washington State, completely shit the bed in the fourth quarter at the end of this game. They were leading, they were beating Oregon 27 to, I believe, 15 at some point. Oregon had 15 points the first three quarters and 29 in the fourth. I mean, there was a part where we weren't going to cover actually in this game. They were well ahead by multiple scores in the fourth and completely choked. They let Bo Nix back in the game, made boneheaded decisions and lost. This wasn't going to be a nice plus 200 money line play for us. That didn't come through. Thank goodness the spread did. But they were down 44 to 34 with like 39 seconds left with Oregon kicking. And I was shocked that they scored that final touchdown. I mean, when I saw when they were down by 10 points, you wouldn't believe how infuriated I was with Washington State. 
But when they covered, I was a little bit happier and I was absolutely in shock the way that my day was going because I at least was able to get the spread on that side, even though it was a sizable money line bet for what I usually do when I give it out to subscribers. But that's not even the worst of it. That's not even the worst. The money line bet I gave out on better odds sports betting with Kyle Hunter and our guest Dylan on Missouri was actually that much worse. Missouri lost the game three freaking times with three seconds left in the clock. Three times. They had a chip shot on the five-yard line field goal that they missed for the win at plus 220. Our most likely dog to win. And then, in overtime, Auburn had a field goal. They missed it, and they called Missouri off sides for being in the neutral zone. Oh, idiot. And then, of course, Auburn, with five yards closer, kicks the field goal to go up by three points. But then Missouri has the ball, so you're thinking, okay, they can tie this or get a touchdown. I mean, when you start in overtime, you're in field goal range. They get the ball. I believe they passed it to the running back. Could have been a handoff. He runs, about to score a touchdown, reaches his hand over, and right before it goes over the line, he fumbles the ball through the back of the end zone, and they lose the game in Auburn straight up. Hell no. That's pretty much how my college football Saturday went. Pivoting to the NFL, much better. I feel like I have a much better handle on the NFL. I already made seven plays, and the lines are moving in our direction. I have a good system down. And that's good because the NFL is the most bet sport in the nation. Really happy with the NFL so far. Could all come crashing on me. It's like it has to many people in the past. But we were able to get some line value and some of it hit. Some of it didn't. Starting with the Steelers versus the Browns. We made a small play on Thursday. On the Steelers, it didn't go through, but was even worse was what happened to the teasers for the Steelers, as well as the total on that game with that garbage freaking touchdown at the end, trying to lateral the ball. <sighs> so that's how it's the NFL started out for betters. I didn't think in this I wasn't on that total. I would have bet the under. Uh, I refuse to lose teaser hit. Really happy about that. The Titans to plus eight and the Falcons to plus eight and a half. Both of those sides won outright. So uh, good for the teaser. <clears throat> Getting back on track. We had the Chiefs plus seven for a large play for three stars. I did buy back a little bit on the Colts minus five or on the Chiefs minus five and a half when I found out Leonard wasn't playing. But that's okay. The Colts ended up winning outright yet. They really didn't deserve it. The Chiefs missed a bunch of field goals 
uh, towards the end of that game. Same thing with the Bills-Dolphins. We made a play on the Dolphins on Sunday before it went down to four. It was at five. I missed out on the six. I mean, this thing was six, six and a half when it opened, but I was waiting for a seven. Instead, I took the over 52, and this thing closed at 55, and it only ended up 21 to 19. You know, there were some uh, shenanigans going on with Tua. People said he should have stayed out. I was actually shocked and thought that my bet was completely trashed. The, the live betting market factored in Tua not coming back, so I couldn't do nothing to hedge it. And uh, Tua ends up coming back, and they end up winning the game. But the Dolphins also in a massive misleading final score here as well and uh, was able to kind of fraudulently win this game. But I was happy to cover the plus five. Um, as well as use this one in the contest. So uh, the Dolphins, fantastic for us. The Vikings did not cover. A game I decided to lay off, I leaned the Vikings at the six. But the Lions are just, you know, been backdoor stars over the last year and a half. And uh, they ended up, started winning this game. It was 14-14 in the first half. Then they were up 24-14 uh, to until the fourth quarter. And then the... Vikings came back with two touchdowns. The Lions played it a little bit too safe, in my opinion, and the Vikings ended up winning the game. But the uh, Lions at least covered that game for anybody that was backing them. Uh, Ravens versus Patriots, that was a very ugly and messy game. I mean, just another situation where the, the Ravens are getting by based upon some misleading stuff. I, I'm not that high in the Ravens the way that they've been playing football. There's a little bit of a misleading final score that we're going to get to as well. And I honestly believe that the Ravens are. You are fake news. So moving on, the Bengals took care of the Jets. I was a little scared to use the Bengals in contests, although we had a decent size play on the Bengals minus four and a half. That thing closed at like minus six and a half. And, uh, the reason I was is because I don't trust Zach Taylor completely, and the Jets seemed to handle him extremely well last year, but it was a big get-up spot for the Bengals. I was just a little bit concerned about that, and I was also concerned about the officials in this game. Jerome Boger has been behind Tony Carrente as one of the worst NFL officials out there, and he tends to favor home teams, in my opinion. So... um, as a matter of fact, Kyle Hunter sent me information on him. He's a 57% uh, ATS for home teams as an official. So wasn't super excited about using that in the contest, yet I wasn't there to buy back on the Jets, being that my pure number was Bengals minus 7.75. So that went worked out well. Already talked about the commanders. Don't need to get into Carson Wentz against the Eagles. The Panthers was a sharp side for a lot of betters, and uh, they ended up taking care of business quite easily against the Saints. The Saints tried to come through the back door and just wasn't enough to do it when they were down by so many points. The Saints didn't score a point to the fourth quarter of this game. They were completely out of it. The Jaguars was a hot play for us at plus seven. I mean, that thing shot down to plus three as we predicted on this podcast. I believe we predicted on the next week's one. It, I think it was the Thursday pod where I talked about it with Mike North. I said that this line's going to go down. It's a free roll at plus seven, which proved to be a free roll. 
But I also did not want to buy back on the Chargers because I truly believed that Justin Herbert was hurt. And he was. He didn't play well. He was able to throw the ball long a couple times, but that dude was not moving at all. As a matter of fact, let's look at his rushing yards this game. None. A one rush for seven yards. Okay. Herbert gets more than that usually. He's got good legs. He was hurting this game. And a losing Justin Herbert usually runs a heck of a lot more than he did. So I was really happy about the result of the Jaguars. Uh, the Rams versus the Cardinals. We are on the Rams minus three and a half. And it shouldn't have been that easy. Uh, or sorry, it shouldn't have been that hard because Cam Akers fumbled in the fourth quarter when it was 20 to nine, right at the goal line, giving Cardinals new life. But thanks goodness to a Cliff Kingsbury screw up before I was able to cover the minus three and a half with ease. Uh, this also is going to be discussed in the next segment as well, Mr. Kingsbury. Uh, Seahawks choked against the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons kind of, you can tell, you can see they're the better team, although they're still not a good team. This game reminded me a little bit of the Bears versus Texans, kind of two bad teams playing each other. But you could see why this game was closer to a pick 'em. Um, I could have saw Mariota screwing up and losing this game outright. So I believe the Seahawks have a pretty decent home field advantage. So I just wanted to use this as a teaser leg. The Packers versus the Buccaneers. Uh, Packers probably should have won by more. Aaron Jones had a nasty fumble at the one yard line. But the Buccaneers were so injured, they were fumbling the ball all over the place as well. Tom Brady literally had no help this game. I'm going to be watching the injury report every single day on the Buccaneers to find out when the value is going to come back on this team. And finally, when I said numbers matter, they really do. When I gave out the 49ers, it was at plus two, and it stayed at plus two for a while. And then the Broncos eventually were dogs by one and a half, and that ended up uh, cashing for people, whoever bet the Broncos. Right? If you bet the Broncos minus two early, you got beat. They won 11 to 10. And this game was more about Jimmy Garoppolo being bad and being rusty. I thought he would be able to step right in here, but it was a tough environment. Denver does have a good home field advantage, and Denver's defense absolutely smothered him. As a matter of fact, they just lost their tackle, Trent Williams, I believe. Uh, and we don't know if he's going to play next week or even how much for the rest of the season. So that was nasty for the 49ers, but Jimmy G was off. Uh, there's a first down pass that he completely botched that should have went to his receiver, uh, Debo Samuel, way behind him. But that's what you get, San Fran, for being all wishy-washy, not letting the guy practice because you're trying to trade him all freaking summer and going with a guy in Trey Lance that has absolutely virtually no experience playing in the NFL. This was just boneheaded GM by Lynch, in my opinion. Now you have to wonder, is he going to be ready for next week against the Rams? So there you have it, my friends. That's what happened last weekend in the NFL. Let's get into a little... The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to start out here with the good. Western Kentucky 
<laughs> Here's something weird that happened. I was in the beginning of the week, and I had Western Kentucky's over, I think it was 67 and a half, queued up, and I forgot about it. But then I found another bet I like, and then I put the money down, and I forgot that I also had that in the over, and somehow it bet both bets for me, and this ended up tanking down to 65 and a half. It was just kind of a lean at 67 and a half. And I was like, oh my God, this is probably a loser. I definitely didn't give it out. I considered giving it out when it went down to 65, but I didn't. And Western Kentucky hit the over themselves, beating FIU 73 to zero. So, I mean, that was good for over betters because it's really frustrating when the other team can't put up points like in the Minnesota-Michigan State game and Western Kentucky did the deed themselves by scoring over 67 and a half, 73 points to hit the over. That was good. Uh, Tennessee, I think going 4-0, and I think they have a buy now. They look really good in the SEC. They're looking to go over that seven and a half season win total that so many people liked. So you got to give props to Tennessee even though that defense is still extremely suspect, in my opinion. When they play a team like a Kentucky or definitely one of the big boys, Georgia, Alabama, or I have to look at their schedule, uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, anybody that has a defense, I am going to be possibly still in fade mode if Tennessee is going to be a favorite over three points. So keep that in mind, but it's good for Tennessee fans here, finally with a great start. And I... The last thing that was good, if you're not a Texas Longhorns fan or a Sooners fan, them losing because it really opens up things in the Big 12. It's uh, bad for Big 12 fans that wanted to see them in the playoffs, though, because uh, now Michigan and uh, Ohio State actually get a bump from that. So uh, if you're a Big 10 fan, that was good seeing Ohio State and Michigan take care of business in kind of a little bit dangerous spots. We, you didn't know what Wisconsin was going to do, but um, Ohio State for the Big Ten hopefully will be um, them or Michigan to represent the Big Ten, or even Penn State. I'm going to throw out Penn State, too, because they're much better than I thought. Any one of those three teams, or two of them maybe, uh, if obviously the Stars line could represent in the college football playoffs. So good for the Big Ten, bad for the Big 12, and bad for the Pac-12, obviously, so far this year. I guess Clemson's lingering as well, so uh, that was a big win for them. I just see vulnerability with Clemson and Yui Gungalele as quarterback. I'm not sure if they're the best uh, top four team. As a matter of fact, I don't have them in my top four, maybe even not their top five. The bad, Amazon Prime. I mean, watching these Thursday night games on Amazon Prime is absolutely awful. You can't rewind the game because it just starts spinning. Almost like you're on some shitty website that you can't get to load. I mean, that was absolutely awful trying to watch this game and rewind it. It's not like a DVR. It's absolutely terrible. But what's even worse is you have to dedicate a full TV to it, meaning you can't back out and uh, switch channels quickly. Once you back out, it takes like a minute and 30 seconds to get back to your normal <laughs> TV or cable stations or whatever service that you actually have. So Amazon Prime, definitely in the bad. MNFL completely screwing up. And by the way, any Thursday night game or any Amazon Prime stream game is now completely demoted to my tablet. Fucking bullshit! Oh, and on mute, by the way. Uh, 
down 11 points going for two. This is what Alan Stoy asked us about here for our Monday mailbag. Absolute boneheaded freaking move by Napier. There's like seven, eight minutes left. You score, you're down 11. So you need a field goal and a touchdown to start overtime. And instead you go for two to be down by 10. What the, or sorry, down by nine. What's the difference if you're down by nine or down by 10? You need both anyway. So you instead you risk it and completely screw up the situation for your team to possibly win this game. So now you miss the two-point conversion. Now you're down by 11, which means even if you get the field goal and the touchdown, you have a complete 50-50 coin flip now. You're adding to actually being able to get this game tied and to get to overtime rather than the easy extra point, right? Absolute mind-blowing, stupid mistake by Napier. I could not believe he was capable of it. I really liked him at Louisiana. But even worse, you're sitting there holding a plus 11 ticket on Florida, which, by the way, was plus 10.5 for a very long time. They're sure there's a ton of people at plus 10.5 on Florida pulling their freaking hair out when they saw Napier make this move. Hell no, to the no, no, no. Just horrible. Also, the bad Michigan State doubled in yards at home against the Gophers. That's bad. That was bad because Minnesota lost their top receiver in Ottman Bell. How did you let this happen? Their tight ends absolutely destroyed Michigan State. And now the Gophers are probably looked at as the best team in the Big Ten West, maybe even fourth in the Big Ten behind a Michigan or a Penn State. I'm not so sure they won't catch them if they keep playing the way that they do this year. Also bad, Carson Wentz being one of the most overrated top draft picks in the history of quarterbacks. Now, there's been worse top draft picks, but he is rated a lot higher than others being able to get paid every single place he goes even though he hasn't done anything to win any sort of meaningful game. So that's the bad. Now the ugly, I already discussed Missouri losing three times, costing us plus 220 on the money line. That was ugly. The ACC officials, one of them just got suspended in that Cal game for that absolutely ridiculous offsides that never happened. All replays show that they're not even close to the line of scrimmage. And also that call in the North Carolina game. I mean, North Carolina lost this game in the trenches, and they're probably not going to cover anyway. But they could have got back into this game. There is a massive pass interference call against North Carolina on a fourth down on Notre Dame that would have switched momentum in the game and stopped the touchdown. And the guy was even close. It was just an amazing defensive play. I'm not even sure if he touched the guy. His hand was close to him. And they call pass interference without even seeing it. Sometimes wrestle floor, fl- throw a flag without even seeing it and then call it. Absolutely mind-blowing how they screwed over North Carolina. That was ugly. And maybe the ugliest thing of the weekend, well, there's a couple more. Um, Miami losing to Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State. 
Miami losing to that team was absolutely putrid. And Miami's came into this year being massively overrated. They're not ready yet. Cristobal does not have these kids ready yet. And it was probably stupid of us to assume that he did. We just thought that Van Dyke, the quarterback there, was going to have a very good year. But the talent still isn't developed around him. All right. Another extremely ugly thing was my Chase Claypool prop over 35.5 receiving yards. Terrible beat on this thing. As a matter of fact, I tweeted it out, thought I won this thing. And then later I check and I'm like, are you kidding me? Why did I not get paid on this? Well, that stupid pass backwards at the end of that game gave him minus nine yards, bringing it to 35 yards from 44 losing the prop by one half of a yard. That's terrible. That was ugly. Massively ugly. Terrible beat on the Claypool prop. I was going to be 26 and 19 in the NFL, and I had to go back to 20 and or 25 and 20 due to that absolute abomination. The last ugly thing was Cliff Kingsbury helping me cover the spread. It was fourth and four. They weren't exactly close to the end zone. They're down by 11 points, 20 to nine against the Rams. And he goes for it. Fourth and four. It's not fourth and inches. It's fourth and four and you need three points anyway. And instead you go for it when you weren't even that close. I mean, you could have had another chance to score a touchdown later anyway, which they did. And instead, they go for it, not get it, and they are forced to try to score um, a field goal later just to stop the clock to onside it. You know, they could have easily just kept driving and scored the touchdown, got the two-point conversion, and tied the game. Massive boneheaded move by Cliff Kingsbury not kicking the field goal on fourth and four when they needed a field goal anyway. Unreal. I mean, it just blows my mind seeing these mistakes when you feel like you know the game sometimes better than what's going on. I'm sure you feel that sometimes as a fan. You're like, what the heck is going on with these people? But anyways, that was the good, the bad, and the ugly of the weekend. Now it's time for a little college football week four, misleading final scores. Missouri outgained Auburn 311-217, yet lost 17-14. A 2-0 to turnover ratio and horrible kicking on special teams killed them. Toledo outgained San Diego State 376-282, yet lost 17-14. A 4-1 turnover ratio and bad D hurt them at the end of the game. North Texas outgained Memphis 473-334, yet lost 44-34. A 3-1 turnover ratio and bad third down efficiency killed them. Georgia Tech outgained UCF 452-333, yet lost 27-10. Equal turnovers, but horrible red zone and fourth down efficiency continues to kill Georgia Tech and that offense. Arkansas State outgained Old Dominion 397-330, yet lost 29-26. A 2-0 turnover ratio hurt them bad. Rutgers outgained Iowa 361-277, yet lost 27-10, a 3-0 turnover ratio, which two of them were scored upon 
and bad efficiency hurt them at home. Utah State outgained UNLV 421 to 320 yet lost 34 to 24. 6 to 0 turnover ratio hurt them bad. Arkansas State, I'm sorry, Arkansas outgained Texas A&M 415 to 343 at lost 23 to 21 a 1 to 0 turnover ratio which was a 14 point swing killed them KJ Jefferson that fumble on the A&M 3 yard line that went for a 97 yard touchdown at the other end just destroyed the Arkansas Razorbacks Tulane outgained Southern Miss 451 to 253 yet lost 27 to 24 a 1 to 0 turnover ratio was all just bad red zone efficiency there. Northwestern outgained Miami, Ohio, 364 to 216, yet lost 17 to 14, a 2 0 turnover ratio, and bad red zone killed the Wildcats. FAU outgained Purdue, 419 to 354, yet lost 28 to 26. Equal turnovers and bad efficiency hurt them. And, you know, some of that was garbage yards. I'm just going to point that out, but still. Oklahoma outgained Kansas State 550 to 509, yet lost 41 to 34. Equal turnovers and bad down, third down efficiency killed the Sooners. I think they're three for 14 on uh, third down. So there you go. College football betting spots for week five. Let down spots. Middle Tennessee State hosting UTSA after beating Miami is a letdown spot for sure. Kansas State versus Texas Tech is actually a wash. They're facing each other, and Kansas State just beat Oklahoma, and Texas Tech beat, just beat Texas. Maybe the under in that one. Oak Oregon hosting Stanford after a massive comeback against Washington State is one. James Madison versus Texas State is a letdown spot after beating Appalachian State. UTEP at Charlotte after beating Boise State is an ugly one and a letdown spot as well. Get up spots. Wisconsin better get up versus Illinois after that just beatdown they took from Ohio State. Wake Forest better wake up versus Florida State next week after losing a tough one in Clemson. Oregon State needs to be up at Utah Next week, after losing a tough one at home versus USC, Oklahoma better wake up at TCU after losing to Kansas State. Arkansas needs to prove something versus Alabama after losing to Texas A&M. Texas needs to be up for the West Virginia game next week after losing to Texas Tech. A lot of Texas is in there. Look ahead spots. BYU looking past Utah State to Notre Dame as possible. That's really the only one because anybody else kind of in that look-head situation <laughs> lost their game. So it, it just kind of wipes it away and makes it more of a get-up spot. And uh, nobody should be really looking past anybody coming up this week. As far as injuries in college, this week was pretty good. Nothing too terrible. Obviously, the news with Boise State, Hank Bachmeyer transferring was probably the main one. Let's move on to NFL misleading final scores from week three. The Chiefs outgained the Colts 315 to 259, yet lost 20 to 17. A two to one turnover ratio and missed field goals killed them. The Bills outgained the Dolphins 497 to 212, yet lost 21 to 19. A one to zero turnover ratio and missed field goals killed the Bills. 
the Lions outgained the Vikings 416 to 373 yet lost 28 to 24. It was just playing it too safe. Prevent type defense and uh, trying to run the ball a little bit premature is what did the Lions in that game. The Patriots outgained the Ravens 447 to 394 yet lost 37 to 26. A 4 to 2 turnover ratio really hurt them. Mac Jones also banged up his ankle as well. It looks like he's going to be out for three to four weeks. The Saints outgained the Panthers 426 to 293, yet lost 22 to 14. A 3 to 0 turnover ratio and bad special teams and red zone efficiency killed them. Cardinals versus Rams were mainly uh, garbage yards. I watched that game. The Rams were in prevent defense the whole second half, just kind of allowing them to get close to the red zone before they tightened up. And finally, the Seahawks outgained the Falcons 420-386, yet lost 27-23. to They won the turnover battle, but just could not finish in the red zone. Now I'm going to get into a free college football play for Week 5. And this line is the only one that moved against me. But I'm going to give it to you because I actually personally bet it again. I gave it out at plus 4, and it blows my mind why Boise State is back up to minus six and a half. If you hadn't watched, Boise State lost to UTEP on Friday night. I mean, 24 to 10, ugly loss. UTEP is a bad team. But not only that, Boise State just fired their offensive coordinator after the game. Maybe people assume that gives the team a bump to bet on, but no. That does not give them a bump to bet on. It's when a head coach is fired is when it gives a bump. When they fire an offensive coordinator, it is a massive red flag for me for the very next game. But not only did that happen, quarterback Hank Botmeyer bailed this week on the program. He's leaving. Their starting quarterback, Hank Botmeyer, liked the offensive coordinator And now he's leaving the program and going somewhere else. So not only did they lose their coordinator, they also lost their starting quarterback who's been there for years. Now this guy named Talon Green, a true freshman, who has played a few, played a little bit in garbage time, is going to come in and try to save them? Zero touchdowns, one interception in garbage time? I have no idea how this spread got up to six, six and a half again. I gave it out at plus four against San Diego State, who just beat Toledo in their last drive, which Toledo is supposed to be the best MAC team. I don't know if I'd say that now. The MAC is an absolute mess. But San Diego State is a formidable team. You know, they get better and better as the season goes. And they're going to go to Boise State as a above three-point dog where Boise just fired their offense coordinator as well as their coach. You know, this is definitely a buy spot for me on San Diego State. You can get it at plus six and a half, plus six, whatever you want. I do that for at least two stars. Freaking niggas every way like MJ. All right. Now it's time for a little fancy football with our guy, D Nasty. All right. We are back and it's time for some fantasy football. We got our guy D Nasty back in the house. Dave, how the heck you doing? 
Good. Packers had a nice win yesterday over Tom Brady and the and the Buccaneers. So it's always a good weekend when that happens. It was it was more like a quarter of the Buccaneers. The receivers that played could hold out of the ball. That's for sure. Um, oh, Russell Gage could he had ten catches? What are you talking about, man? No, there's fumbles. There's some fumbles. I think Perryman fumbled a couple other guys. You know, I was happy that uh, Gage had a fumble. Okay, he did. There's just a lot of turnovers and just a it was a mess. And, and the Packers only beat him by two. Ooh, that's not good for the Packers, man. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a great fantasy day. Bears though, we still beat the Bears and we're still in first place. All right, well, we're both two and one. But anyways, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great fantasy day for a lot of teams. You know, Buff, no, Buffalo scoring games. Buffalo miserable. Go ahead, go ahead. Miserable Denver game last night and the Packer game was low scoring to the four of the higher scoring teams that you would count on for fantasy purposes. So yes, not a good weekend overall. A lot of low scoring games this weekend. Yeah. But you thought that Denver or sorry, Buffalo Miami would be in the, in the sixties, you know, that score. And that only ended up at around 40. It was just crazy week for low scores. And uh, a lot of teams got hit. My teams got hit because of it. And, you know, that's that's what happens. Some of the teams figure out what's going on, and you see a lot of unders happen on week two So, uh, and week three. Well, anyways, we have a great show today because we're going to get into what matters for fantasy football week four, starting with key injuries. You know, I looked at buys today. They don't start till week six, Dave. Yeah, it's nice. It's kind of nice that we have to worry about that until week six. But like, a couple guys that underperformed this week, too, like Justin Jefferson, a couple of your key guys that were you normally would count on this week, Justin Air, Air Bear. Uh, so those those guys definitely killed some teams this week, including mine. So uh, it was a, definitely a down week for me, but I still won in over half of my leagues. But uh, definitely a lot of your fantasy studs didn't do well this week. Chase had a touchdown at the end, but he didn't do very well either. So a lot of your top five guys weren't doing well this week. That's very true. Why don't you get into key injuries? All right, great. Uh, wide receiver A.J. Green suffered an, a knee injury and was ruled out in the third quarter. He did not return. Uh, we, Josh Allen went to the, for x-rays following the game against Man, but he said he was fine. Uh, we had Tua uh, went out of the game for the Dolphins. Supposedly it was a back injury, but it did look, sound like a concussion. So NFL is looking into that, which is uh, kind of a little bit shady on the Dolphins' part. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, big injury for your Bears, running back David Montgomery, knee and ankle injury. They said he's day-to-day. And they said it's not serious, but he's, they're still getting more tests on him, so we'll see. Uh, Khalil Herbert looked really, really good when he came in, though. We'll get into that in a little bit. Khalil, Khalil Herbert. And, uh, Justin Herbert, say, Khalil Herbert. Come on, Herbert, man. I, I say Herbert, <laughs> and you say Herbert. So that's, that's how I pronounce it, buddy. We, we, Francois. Go ahead. Uh, we got Jared Alexander, who left the game with a groin injury for the Packers. Uh, he's a key defensive guy. And Bosa, actually, too, ruled out with the groin. Those are two key guys on the defensive line. Dalvin Cook, another big one. Uh, shoulder injury. He had problems with this over the last couple of years as well. Uh, separated shoulder. So we'll see. They're gonna, they said dislocated shoulder right now. But they're going to run more tests on him, too. But it kind of worries me, though. He was out for a couple weeks last year with that same injury. So we'll see. Um, one of the no- more major injuries who could be out for a while, Mac Jones, left the game against Baltimore late in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. They're saying it's a high sprain, so uh, they're doing tests today. We'll find out more as he, after his MRI today. Uh, we haven't, haven't heard anything more other than that, but they say it could be a high ankle sprain, so he could be out multiple weeks, though. So uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about his backup in a little bit on the waiver wire edition of the show. Uh, and then receiver Garrett Wilson actually with a rib injury. Uh, so those are still more of the 
more major injuries this weekend. Travis Homer had a rib injury as well, and he was ruled out. But he, you're not playing him in any leagues right now, so that one doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, AJ Green when he went out, he had a goose egg for me anyway in my dynasty league. So I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" Just an awful offense there right now with uh, Arizona. Um, yeah, Mac Jones will be out at least a couple weeks, I think. Uh, Delvin Cook, that separated shoulder, might actually play that next week. So, so uh, he's had that before. Michael Thomas and Landry are interesting. We're going to have to monitor those industry, uh, injuries coming in. They had to leave the game. Pretty much what I had, buddy. I'm going to get with the waiver wire here. Great. Khalil Herbert, obviously. Um, you kind of hope that Montgomery doesn't play for Bear fans, but the Bears have the number two running offense right now, which is interesting. Now, uh, their strength of schedule, probably not that tough so far. I mean, obviously, the Packers, but uh, they got lucky against the Niners in a rainstorm, and they uh, got to play the Texans, so that helped them. But the Giants aren't exactly a massive run-stopping team next week. Um Alexander Madison, I mean, if he's for some reason out there because some idiot didn't handcuff him, make sure you grab him. Um, he's going to play a lot, even if Cook's uh, going to play with that separated shoulder. They're going to ease his workload. Uh, running uh, Wide receiver Marquez Callaway for the Michael Thomas and Landry injuries, I was kind of thinking. I think Chris Olave would be owned, but obviously grab him if he's available. Running back Tristan Eber, Ebner in uh, deeper leagues for Montgomery industry, uh, injury too. So keep an eye if you're in a dynasty league, you might get some love with uh, the Bears' third stringer, Ebner. Uh, quarterback Brian Hoyer, the destroyer for the Mac Jones industry. We'll, we'll see if he destroys your fantasy lineup if you're desperate enough to use him. <laughs> it's a pretty bad situation if uh, it's not even waiver time and you're using uh, Brian Hoyer to destroy your hair. Uh, for the Patriots. Uh, wide receiver Mac Hollins uh, for the Raiders had an amazing game. I guess he's the return of the Mac uh, for this week, Dave. 10 targets, 158 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Parker actually showed up for once against the uh, uh, Ravens, but I I'm not sure how trustworthy he is, but, you know, I he's a speculative grab. Uh, running back or wide receiver Zay Jones for Jacksonville had 11 targets, so... Uh, I liked his production against the Chargers last week. Uh, wide receiver K.J. Osborne for Minnesota is actually doing better than Thielen lately, and uh, he had eight targets, which is a little surprising how Thielen's in the doghouse and he's kind of up there. And then tight end Tyler Conklin did well for the Jets. So that's what I have for waiver wire, anything I missed. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like the Tyler Conklin one. That was one I was going to talk about, actually, too. He had eight catches for 84 yards. He's definitely the main guy there now. Robert Tanyan actually looked good this past week, too. He had six catches, actually, this week, and, and Rodgers was going to him quite a bit in that game as well. And he, he looks like he's looking healthier every week, so definitely take a look at him. David Njaku, uh, he's only at 51%. He borderline. If, if he's definitely out there, definitely grab him. Uh, he didn't have a first good first week, couple weeks, but last week he blew up, so... Brissett was looking his way quite a bit. Him and Cooper were his main targets. So definitely take a look at those guys at tight end. Uh, like like Kiev said, Chris Olave, if he's out there, definitely scoop him up. Uh, he's probably owned in most leagues right now. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, uh, he, he ended up having a really nice game. Eight, eight catches uh, for 73 yards and a score. So he looked like the main guy. He looked like the number one guy for the Packers. He's only owned in 25% of leagues right now. So definitely grab him if he's out there by chance in any of your leagues. Uh, in your daily leagues. 
and then that as well. So then another one too is Brian Robinson. A lot of people forget about him. Uh, person, guy that was shot at the beginning of this year. Uh, he was supposed to start for the Washington Commanders, but now uh, he's actually going to be coming back week five. So definitely scoop him up, get him on your bench because he could be starting when he comes back. They said he's been practicing for a week now. He came back to practice this last week. So uh, he, he will be available out there and he will be possibly getting a lot of run when he comes back. So definitely take a look at him. Jamal Williams, uh, if anyone dropped him in your league or he's for some reason no one has him uh the john john j swift was banged up again and didn't play a lot of the game uh jamal williams looked very good while he was filling in for him uh he had 20 carries actually 87 yards and a pair of touchdowns so uh definitely if if he's out there scoop him up he, he's on a higher percentage of own though like 60 percent but uh just in case he is out there definitely scoop him up and last one i got is jared goff I think the Lions are, are for real this year. They've lost a couple close ones, but uh, they've been in every game. I really like that Dan Campbell is the coach there. Uh, Goff has been playing well. He has a nice matchup, too, next week. Uh, they play the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, another guy, too, with a nice matchup next week is Jameis Winston against the Vikings. So uh, definitely guys you can pick up who have good matchups next week. You can stream them if you had Mac Jones or another guy that got hurt this week. Fair enough. We have a question. Do I trade away Najee for Fournette and Gainwell? That's a wonderful question, and I'm going to answer it two ways and see if Dave agrees. Um, I think that you would trade Najee this year for Fournette in a non-dynasty leg for sure. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Fournette is a massive workhorse for one of the greatest uh, teams right now in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Of course, you would want to try to make sure you grab White or anybody else you can handcuff after you make this trade. Now, especially, you know, you want to trade Najee if you don't have Jalen Warren. Um, you know, if someone else is owning Warren, Najee isn't quite, you know, worth as much. So this could be a smart move to get your handcuffed by doing that. Now, if it's a dynasty league, hell no. Fournette's older. He's um, probably in the twilight years of his contract. Najee's going to be playing for a while. So I would uh, not in the Dynasty League. Do you agree, Dave? I definitely agree. Yeah, Najee, I'm not training in a Dynasty League. He definitely he's, he's a keep he's a keeper in a, in a Dynasty League. You're not training him. You have to get way more than that for Najee in a Dynasty League. Uh, but in regular uh, weekly league, uh, redraft leagues, I'm definitely I would take a look at that trade. I would, I'd have to see what know what your roster consists of right now, though, and kind of what your running backs that you have right now. So that, that would be a key factor in doing this as well, is to see what other running backs you have currently on your roster too. So that's going to play into the trade as well. I'm also worried about Najee being behind in games. The Pittsburgh's defense is looking really bad, especially with T.J. Watt that's going to be out six, eight weeks. Uh, you know, they're just going to have to throw the ball a lot. And Mitch back there screwing up, that's not going to be fun. Um, I just think way more points possible with Fournette and Gamewell. Yeah, and I definitely agree. Pittsburgh is one of the lower, probably one of the top, bottom five offenses right now, actually, uh, I would have ranked. So uh, Najee is not going to get as many carries, like you said, and they're not going to be ahead most of the time. So he's not going to get a lot of carries in that respect as well. Fair enough. Let's move on to non-starters trending up. Dave, why don't you start with that? All right. Non-starters trending up. I'm going with... Uh, a couple guys that I do like here. Uh, the Jets, you wouldn't think of this, but we just talked about the Steelers, how they've been struggling on defense. I'm liking Joe Flacco this week against the poor Steelers defense. With T.J. Watt out, they haven't looked very good so far. Uh, I'm liking the Jets this week. I like the rookie running backs, too, like, this week. The Bryce, Bryce Hall, I like this week. And then Michael Carter, second-year running back. I like both of those guys this week. Uh, I'm liking the Lions this week against the Seahawks. Seahawks have not looked good on defense as well. And the Jamal Adams is out for the year as well. Uh, I like the Lions this week. I like Jared Goff, who I just talked about. I like him. I like Jamal Williams, too, as well, against the Seahawks. Those are some guys I like this week 
there. And I hate to say it, but I, I do like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, who you're probably starting to but I still like Daniel Jones against the Bears' uh, defense. I don't think their defense is still that legit. But Houston Texans still put up quite a few points on them uh, this week, so I'm looking at them. Dave, any uh, running back against the Bears is RB1 at this point. Yeah. So just yeah. know that. And, of course, Saquon is a non-starter. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, I don't know. I'm just saying. But I like Daniel Jones in that matchup, though, too, as well, is what I was trying to say. So, But, uh, yeah, I was already saying Barkley's a given on that matchup. Uh, I like Jacoby Brissett this week and Amari Cooper. Uh, both those guys that are playing the poor Falcons defense. I like that that matchup. Uh, I look for the Chargers to rebound. I like Jordan Palmer. You normally wouldn't actually have starting, but I like him if Keenan Allen is still out uh, for the te- for against the Texans' poor defense. Uh, I like Noah Brown, actually. He's a, he's a deep sleeper against the Commanders. Uh, Jalen Tolbert is supposed to actually play tonight, too, so... Uh, watch how he does tonight. He might be a nice sleeper against the Commanders as well next week, depending on how he does tonight. They said he's going to be active and playing tonight uh, for the rookie Julian Tolbert for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also do like Isaiah McKenzie, who actually came on this past week against the Ravens defense. I like that matchup there for him. I like Baker against the Cardinals defense. Cardinals have not impressed me at all this year so far. So I do like Baker against the poor Cardinals defense. Uh, and that's pretty much all I had this week. Uh, the Rams 49ers are both tough matchups, so... I'm not going to go into anyone from that one, but yeah, that's who I have for trending up this week. Nice, nice. I have Michael Carter. Uh, I think he's going to have a big game versus the Steelers' bad defense this week. Uh, I have uh, running back Damian Pierce that you saw with the Texans, man. Must start by now. I even mentioned him against the Bears last week, but the dude's just been very, very good so far, and uh, he's got a great matchup against the Chargers' run D coming up here. Uh, Wide receiver Chris Olave will have a great game versus Minnesota in London. So I really like Chris Olave coming here. Uh, running back Jalen Warren might get some carries versus the Jets too if Najee, uh, you know, gets tired in the Jet. One thing about you know teams getting beat, you know, and this kind of goes back to your trade. Um, Gainwell is going to get uh, carries just because they're not going to want to injure Sanders when they're up by fifteen, you know, fourteen to twenty-one points. So uh, I think Jalen Warren could be a good second half running back against the Jets. Kareem Hunt versus Atlanta looks really good to me too. You know, Kareem Hunt's been fantastic. You know, it's almost like one A and one B with him and Chubb over at Cleveland. So I'm very impressed by what Kareem Hunt's been doing. And I kind of was down on him coming into the season, I will say. Alexander Madison for the Cook injury. I mean, if Cook is, Cook's not going to get the full workload, in my opinion, Delvin Cook. So uh, you got to start Alexander Madison if you have him. Um, if you have both, <laughs> It's almost like pick your poison, but um, I mean, if you have Madison on your bench because you know the other guy has Cook and didn't handcuff him, he could be a really good start this week. Khalil Herbert versus the Giants, bad run D. Uh, I think that Montgomery's banged up, and we don't know if he's going to play or not, so he's going to get a lot of play for the Bears. Plus, they're not throwing the ball with Fields at all, so lots of carries for Herbert and maybe some pass catches. Running back, uh, wide receiver Gabriel Davis versus Baltimore is going to have a comeback. He sucked last game. He had some drops, but he's going to uh, have a good game versus Baltimore's really bad pass. Uh, Baltimore's pass is ranks last right now, 
They had a tough schedule, so it's not going to end up like that, but still. Uh, wide receiver Robbie Anderson versus a bad Cardinals D is going to make some noise, in my opinion, for uh, Carolina. Uh, wide receiver Amari Cooper against Atlanta will be good. Um, and he's a starter, I think, from here on out. I'm surprised. Yeah, so. Jacoby Brissett has really, really impressed me uh, this year. I'm very shocked with uh, how well Brissett's doing. I should probably throw him in a non-starter trending up as well, to be honest with you. And a wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, has to do something versus the Lions here. I know DK Metcalf gets a lot of double coverage. He's probably going to get some forced balls, but Lockett's usually the guy sneaky open against a bad team like the Lions. So those are my non-starters trending up. Uh, let's get into bus. Man, Cam Akers, he's just getting going, but he's now he's facing the 49ers run D. That's going to be a very difficult thing going on the road against the Niners. Um, I don't like him or Devery Henderson, to be honest with you, against the Niners run D. Running back J.K. Dobbins, he might be back this week, but I wouldn't start him even if he's back because he's going against Buffalo's D. You're going to have a lot of Lamar Jackson at action there but i'm not even sure if lamar jackson action is gonna be that good dave because we got a really good line for the bills their secondary is banged up and they got a lot of the micah hides up for the season now so their secondary is not that good but their their d line is tough yeah i'm really surprised with uh their secondary injuries i'm pretty bummed out for them um but they're gonna still play that press get to the quarterback and if they're not getting to the quarterback there's gonna be some deep passes that the bills give up so it's, it's, this is just such a high variance game. I say Baltimore can kill it if they if if Jackson can stay open, which he does a lot and doesn't get sacked and finds that open receiver. But if not, then he's in trouble. Now, problem with Baltimore is they have some serious uh, injury woes themselves, a lot of them. So yes, I expect a high scoring game coming here um, this week. Next, we have. Let's see, Brandon Ayuk versus the Rams D. I don't like I don't like Niners either. I, I also don't think that Jimmy G is kind of ready yet. He he was they didn't play him all summer because they're trying to trade him. They don't want him injured, and he's rusty as hell. Um Devontae Adams versus Denver's D. Man, Devontae Adams is missing Aaron Rodgers right now in the Packers. Oh, yeah. He's happy after the 0-3 game last week. This last oh. week he He's, he's visibly frustrated after that game. He's got to be such a bust right now. And now he's got to face Denver's D. You saw what Denver did in the night. Oh, yeah. Denver's tough. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Tampa's run D is a bad one. I, I don't like Edwards-Alaire here. I don't like Raheem Mostert versus Cincinnati's run D either. So, uh, I think that it's going to be a passing game for Miami. Uh, Trevor Lawrence versus the Eagles a little dangerous. Now, Trevor Lawrence has been balling lately, but he's had an easy strength of schedule, I think. Now he's a second-row game in a row going to the Eagles. I don't like that. And uh, that's all I have for Buss. Dave, what do you got? Yeah, I have a lot of the same ones, actually, as you do. I, I, I agree with some of yours. I uh, definitely don't like the Bing, uh, Dolphins running backs, uh, Edmonds or Mostert against the Bengals. Uh, that, that committee there hasn't really done that well so far anyways. I'm actually going to download, uh, downgrade Madison and Cook against the tough Saints defense. They have a good, very good run defense. Last year they did as well. Uh, so I'm d- definitely downgrading that one. Uh, I don't like Titans against the Colts. The Colts actually have a better defense than when you people let on. I don't like Tannehill this week against the Colts. I think Henry still puts up his numbers, but uh, I'm going to say Tannehill's not going to have a good day against the Colts defense. They, they've been playing decent the last couple of weeks, and they've, they've had a pretty, some pretty tough matchups at the start of the year. Uh, I, I also agree with you on the Rams 49ers game. Don't like anyone in that game. They're, they're so, those are both tough defenses. Definitely downgrading the running backs for the Rams. 
And even Stafford might struggle a little bit against the 49ers then too, but it's vice versa though too. I don't, I don't see the 49ers do much against that tough Rams defense and D-line with Aaron Donald's just a beast. So uh, I don't like anyone in that game really. So I'm downgrading a lot of those guys in that game. Uh, I don't like the Chiefs running running game like you said either against the Buccaneers. McKinnon and Hilaire have been splitting carries, like kind of a committee there too. I definitely don't like them against the tough Buccaneers defense. I agree with you on the Raiders too. I think Karn Adams will struggle against the Broncos this week. Uh, that's definitely a tough matchup. Broncos have a really great defense. I think the Packers struggle a little bit against the Patriots. The Patriots haven't really given up that many points this year on defense. That you, you don't know this, but the, they have, I don't think they've given up more than 20 points in any of their games this year. Uh, you can check the stats on that, but it's pretty close to that, I think, though. So I'm going to downgrade Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon against the tough Patriots D. I think Rodgers is still going to get his through the air, but I'm definitely downgrading him against the Patriots. They, they've been playing a lot. I don't know, man. The, the Patriots have been Swiss cheese this year. They lost their linebackers to free agency. I disagree with that. I, I think the I Packers know. running backs are going to go wild. We'll see. I guess this will tell everyone what what the Patriots are because they don't have a yeah. This would be a good test, but I, I don't know. I don't think the I don't think Dylan and Jones have as good of a game this week against the Patriots. So um, I'm definitely down on game a little bit. And then I definitely agree on the Jaguars. Um, James Robinson, Travis Etwine. Uh, definitely downgrading them against the tough Eagles. The, the Eagles are just so deep on offense and defensive lines. Uh, I just don't, I don't like the, that, that matchup at all for the Jaguars. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to our nasty sleeper, Dave, and I'll let you go first. All right. My nasty sleeper of the week is going to be one that you're going to like, Cleo Herbert. Uh, I look for him to have a huge game this week, especially if Montgomery's out. Uh, I like him against the poor Giants defense, and he's going to have a monster game this week, and he be, could be a league winner for a lot of teams this week. That's hilarious because I had him written down, and I just changed it. <laughs> and well, I that's just, what happens. You let me go first. Well, well, I, I'm glad I did, but um, I'm going to go since our guy from the Seahawks, Seahawks 33, had that question. We're going to go with. Don't diss me. Will Disley, my friend, and he's been killing it lately. He's been getting a good amount of targets, double digits two weeks so far in fantasy. You know, I really think that uh, he's going to be an end zone type of guy and going against the Lions, Swiss cheese type defense. I think that he's going to be a target for Geno Smith. I like Will Disley to be open and have a great game, Dave. I like it. Definitely like it. All right, my man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And breaking down a little fantasy football next week. Just want to let you guys know Dave won't be on. I'll be traveling to Playa del Carmen. Uh, you know, it's a uh, October fall break for the kids, so we have to do something, <laughs> obviously. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna head out down there, and we're actually leaving on Monday. So I'll have a quick show on Sunday night rather than uh, than Monday. Anything else, Dave? Nothing. That's it. Good luck, everyone, this week. All right, thank you so much for listening to this show. If you guys have any questions for the Thursday podcast, feel free to tweet us at the Osbreakers, email us at info at the Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners. <laughs> <laughs>